0: The Mountain Vista Baptist Church podcast features the preaching and teaching of Pastor Robert Perry and the guest speakers of Mountain Vista Baptist. The purpose of this podcast is to help believers grow, to edify the saints, and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Take your Bibles with me to Luke chapter number one this morning. Luke chapter number one. I'm thankful for Brother Matchett filling in for me. As I was in Mexico last week, and we had a wonderful time there, our family and with the missionaries and the church there, and and uh, and um, thankful for Google Translate, that's for sure. And uh, and so we were able to communicate some there, and and I think not knowing Spanish uh, actually helped in some some certain cases. We were stopped uh, on the road at different checkpoints and stuff, and we just no habla español, and they. They just waved us on. I don't know if we were supposed to stop or do something else. I think it got us out of a, little, a, a couple of things. Uh, we walked, tried to walk into a store, and they I guess, in, in that area anyways. Uh, they limit the amount of people that can go in, like only one person per family. And if there's children, only one child can go with the parent, and they have to be 12 in between the ages of 12 and 18 also. No kids under 12 can go into the store. It's really weird. Anyway, we all walked in, all five of us, to the store, and they was like, whoa you know they're taking your temperature they're checking your temperature at the door squirting hand sanitizer in your hand they like stop this and they're like rattling on in spanish and we have say i have no idea what you're saying and uh, they're like pointing at the kids and s- saying no, and we're like what do you mean they can't come in, and we're trying to figure it out, and finally Jen's like just give me the keys, I'll go sit in the car, you go get what we need, and everything. <laughs> but um, and so there was some struggles in that and everything, but we had a great time ministering, there were several people that got saved through our soul winning, and and even on Sunday morning as I preached, and we praise the Lord for that, and uh, and, we're, and we're thankful for that opportunity, but I'm thankful that Brother Matchett uh, filled in for me during this time last week, and and of course, last week, uh, focused on, uh, from Joseph's perspective, if, I'm not, if I re- recall, right? And, uh, but today, we're going to kind of focus uh, from Mary's perspective on this time and this season of celebration, and uh, we're going to speak about a season to worship, and we're going to read here in Luke chapter 1, and beginning in verse number 26. Verse number 26, and it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee named Nazareth for thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Most Highest, uh, I'm sorry, of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And I then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and uh, the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which uh, shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and uh, this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord be it unto me according to thy word and the angel departed from her christmas of course the season that we're in is a time of celebration Uh, also christmas though is probably the biggest uh, commercial holiday in the united states Uh, when it comes to christmas time hundreds of billions of dollars are spent on on decorations on food and uh, I mean, uh, I can see why we spent some money on food. That's pretty good right there, but of c- food. and of course, though, money is spent on trying to find that perfect gift, that one that just is going to cause everyone to be excited and they're going to be in awe of, uh, of that gift and how thoughtful it was. Many people begin their Christmas shopping preparation early on in the year. Some, they take the time throughout the year and slowly but surely accomplish it. If they don't do it that early, it's probably going to begin somewhere around Thanksgiving, with maybe Black Friday shopping or Cyber Monday shopping online. And uh, but the weeks between Thanksgiving to Christmas, where they ought to be a time of reflection and peace, oftentimes is a time <laughs> they're filled with hustle and bustle and and running here or there and. And most of the time, that's just the men who were, you know, putting it off. uh, Oh, I have to still buy my wife a present or whatever the case might be. But uh, worry, stress fills this season instead of what we ought to be filling it with, with worship and consideration of what the Lord has done for us. Perhaps this is why author E.B. White, uh, this is what he meant when he observed when he wrote to perceive Christmas through its wrapping becomes more difficult with every year. And uh, just seeing how it is becoming uh, just overwhelmingly busy and overwhelmingly trying to figure out what is going to be given for some person or picked up for another person. But if we want to avoid the stress, if we want to accomplish uh, what this season ought to be, one of reflection, one of focusing on our Lord and the gift that he has given us, uh, we ought to turn our focus upward instead of outward. We remember Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The truth of this season is that Jesus came. Jesus came to mankind the Prince of Peace. He came that we might know peace. And uh, the scripture teaches us three promises of peace made available through Christ. In Romans chapter 1 and verse number 7, it tells us that we can have peace from God. And it says that in verse uh, 7 of chapter 1, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In a time where Things are stressful in a time where things are uh, running here and there and, and busy, busy, busy. The only place we truly can find peace is if we find it in our God. And uh, we are, have that promise of receiving peace from God. But we not only have the promise of receiving peace from God, we have the promise of receiving pe- or having peace with God as well. And we read that in Romans 5 and verse number 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. My friends, I'd submit to you this morning that this peace with God is more important than having just peace from God. Because this means that we and our Lord are at peace with one another. See, before our salvation without Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us we're actually enemies of God. And uh, if we were to stand before God in and of ourselves, in our sinful state we would here depart from me, and we would experience the wrath of hell for all of eternity. But now because of his son Jesus Christ and the salvation we receive through through his son, we are at peace with our God. And praise God for that, that we have peace with God. We've been justified by faith. But we we not only can receive peace from God, we have peace with God, but we can actually experience the peace of God, the Bible tells us. In Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, Christ's coming was foretold. And we, we, uh, we, the, the promise that he would come to this earth, uh, what we read here in Luke chapter number one, as we see Mary uh, receiving this information from the angel, when it tells us here in chapter number one that the angel Gabriel was the one who came, This wasn't just some random reference of an angel. This was was the proof of the prophecies or the predictions of Jesus coming to this earth. In Daniel chapter 9, we've been studying Daniel on Wednesday nights. We've not gotten to chapter number 9 yet, but a little sneak peek in Daniel chapter number 9 in verses 24 through 27. It says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city to finish the transgression. And to make an end of sins and to make recollection uh, for iniquity and bring uh, in everlasting righteousness and to seal up, up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the, the most holy. Know, therefore, and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince uh, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks, uh, the street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublous times. It tells us here in verse number 26, and after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself, and the, people, uh, and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the ends of the war, desolation and determination. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, shall he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for the uh, the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation. And there that deter- that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. The desolate, but we find here this pronouncement of the Messiah's coming, the promise that he would come, was given uh, to Daniel five hundred and fifty years prior to his coming. This was not an accident, but this was the fact that the problem, or, the, or not the problem, the promise, I'm sorry, of a coming Messiah who was coming to fruition. God brought his son into the world at the exact moment that he had said it would happen, at the exact time that he needed to come. That's why Paul wrote to the Galatian believers in Galatians 4.4, 4. but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of woman, made under the law. The, the announcement of Jesus' coming was intended to bring peace to these troubled hearts. Here we find a group of individuals who had been in darkness for 400 years. There had been no, no uh, word from the Lord for 400 years. There was a t- it was a time of, of, uh, of oppression. It was a time when they were under the bonds of, of, of worldly, wicked rulers and here this announcement of the Messiah was, was, to, was intended to bring peace to these troubled hearts. But not only the announcement of the Messiah was intended to bring peace to troubled hearts in those days, but I believe the announcement of the promised Messiah can bring peace to our hearts today as well. Knowing that our Savior came and that He came so that we might have life and life more abundantly. I want you to notice with me, number one, this morning, the message of peace in verses 26 through 28. We read there in verses 26 and 20 through 28 again, and it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee named, named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man, whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored. The Lord is, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Notice here that Gabriel was sent to a, at a specific time. The Bible tells us here that it was in the sixth month. The angel Gabriel was also sent to a specific place because the Bible says it was a city of Galilee named Nazareth. The angel was sent to a specific person, this person, the virgin espoused uh, uh, to a man named Joseph, a, a woman named Mary. And just as the mention of Gabriel's name was not random, neither was any of the other details about this announcement. Notice that this message of peace was given in a humble place. It says that it came to this virgin as she was there in uh, in Nazareth. One might imagine that God would have picked some type of a, more of a grand opportunity to be able to pronounce the coming King of Kings. One might imagine that God would have chosen some some more extravagant place to be able to uh, bring this announcement to the world. Nazareth was a small, poor Jewish village. It had no trade routes. It wasn't a big town. It wasn't uh, a place that uh, was hustling and bustling with uh, economic significance uh, of the region. Nazareth, though, reminds us that God is not looking for accomplishment. Nazareth reminds us that God is not looking for our doings. He's looking for uh, for people with a heart for him. We find that this woman here named Mary, that the Bible tells us that this this angel Gabriel came to. In verse number 28 tells us that she was highly favored of God, that she was blessed among, um, um, among women. This woman Mary had a heart for the Lord. And it wasn't about who she was. It wasn't about a position or a title that she held. It wasn't about where she lived. She didn't live in a palace. She wasn't living in, in a limelight. We find this announcement of peace, this message of peace was given in just a humble place. And my friend, I'm here to tell you this morning that the peace of God is not reserved just for the upper echelon of, of Christianity. Christianity. The, the peace of God is not just for those who have a title or those who are in the well-known. We have famous preachers in this world today. We have uh, ministries that are well-known. And then there's many, 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 many ministries that mi- hardly anybody knows about. That doesn't mean that God's peace and His presence isn't with them. And we find here that the announcement or the message of this peace was given in a humble place. We find in 1 Corinthians 1 and verses 26 through 29, for ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world uh, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, the things which are not to bring to not things that are that no flesh should glory in His presence. In Nazareth, God found a woman that was completely yielded to His purpose for her life. And so that was the place that He chose to bring this announcement. Reminds me of one day how the Sunday school teacher was, uh, was speaking about uh, the holiday seasons and, and such in their class. And the teacher asked the children, they said, What do you think is the most important holiday? Uh, in the world and they gave all kinds of different answers and such and and christmas was mentioned and and so they started talking about mary which then the teacher began to ask about uh well who since you brought up mary who do you think the most important woman in uh the uh in the Bible is thinking that they would continue on with this thought. I mean after all, Mary is the mother of Jesus. Well one little boy raised his hand and said, she said, Okay, uh who do you think is the most important woman in the world or in in the Bible? And the little boy said, Eve. So the teacher wanted to know why he thought that that the, the the little boy thought that Eve was the most important woman in the Bible. So she said, what do you think that is, little boy? And why do you think that Eve is the most important woman in the Bible? Well, the boy answered and said, because they've named two holidays after her, Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. (laughs) So having spoken of the most important holidays and spoken of the most important women, in his mind it just was logical to put them all together. But Mary maybe isn't necessarily the most important woman in the world or most important woman even in the bible but she did play a vital role in allowing us to have our savior come to us but it was because she was a humble woman and this message of peace came to a humble place we find this message of peace came also or was given to a holy woman as we saw as as brother Matchett talked about last week uh, mary was a morally pure woman in today's text, we see this emphasized in the question that Mary asked Gabriel. She said, how can I have a child? I've never known a, uh, known a man. Well, Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. In a society where the media often mocks a commitment to uh, purity, we find that God put a, a high price on the, 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 the lifestyle of this woman, Mary, that she was a pure woman. Think of recently our vice president, of course, one, several years ago, I guess it is now, but he refused to even have dinner with a, with a woman unless his wife was there. And the media mocked him for such a thing. And that's the type of mindset that our world has today. But we find that our, our God has an opposite mindset. He does this care about our life. He does care that it is lived holy before Him. We find in First Timothy four seven, but refuse pray, profane and old wives' fables, and exor- exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Mary was not unique financially. She was not unique socially. But she was a ready and willing vessel because she had lived her life devoted to the Lord and one that was lived humbly before Him. We see, number one, this morning, the message of peace. But number two, this morning, I want you to notice the reason for worship in verses 31 through 33. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and uh, shall be called the Son of the Most High. I'm sorry, of the highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Consider what Mary is hearing from Gabriel when she receives this announcement. Luke 1 tells us this again, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a, a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. The greatest news that an individual could ever hear is being heard at that moment. The greatest news that could ever be proclaimed was being proclaimed at that moment. The greatest news that had ever graced the face of this earth is being graced at this moment, the fact that Jesus was going to come. Emmanuel, God with us, God in the flesh. Often when God is working in our lives, we don't always understand how he's working. We don't understand always how he's going to accomplish it. But we understand that if God is with us, then God, then God can accomplish it. We might not think we're worthy. We might not think that we can do it. But with, all, with God, all things are possible. And notice the reason for worship was because of Christ's presence. The, uh, the angel told Mary that the baby's, baby boy's name would be Jesus. Jesus means this. The name Jesus means "He will save." That's exactly his purpose. The, the, the scripture tells us that Christ came to seek and to save those that were lost. Don't you love the name of Jesus? What a wonderful name it is. We find that in His name there's some characteristics that are, although simple, truly profound. The name of Jesus truly is an easy name. As we read through Scripture, names have purpose. Names have meaning. And we find that throughout Scripture, as people are given names, the Bible will tell us or give us an information sometimes of why that person was named that, that way. Or as we study, we might find that, man, they were truly named correctly because of their characteristics and such. But how would you have liked it if your Savior's name would have been very hard to pronounce. Because there's some of those in the Bible, is there not? I think of uh, the book of Isaiah. There's an individual whose name is Marisha Hashpaz. Would you like to utter that name every time you prayed? And I prayed to Marisha Hashpaz every single time. that you, Aren't you glad that his name is easy? Aren't you glad that it, the, the, the name of Jesus isn't something that is difficult? It's something that was sweet to to our lips. His name is esteemed, the Bible tells us in Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, of things of earth, and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus' name and his work are known throughout the world, and his name is esteemed. His name is easy, his name is esteemed, his name is enduring as well. From Genesis 1 all the way to Revelation 22, Scripture declares the name of Jesus. And Revelation twenty two thirteen 13 says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. His name is exclusive as well. Remember what the uh, Apostle said in Acts chapter 4, and verse number 12, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That name, my friend, is the name of Jesus. And that name is exclusive in the opportunity to bring salvation. But the reason for worship was because of his presence. The reason for worship was because of Christ's perfection as well. We read in verses 32 through 33 who he is. This isn't just another birth. Birth announcements are awesome. The announcements of a, of, of, a, of a child being born is a wonderful, glorious thing. So much so that people today are trying to find every way possible to be able to announce it and to, to, show, to, to reveal what kind of gender they're having and all those things. People go to crazy lengths to do those things today. But this, my friend, was not just some ordinary birth. This was God with us. And the reason we worship is because of His perfection. Says he's great. Says that he will be called the son of the highest. Shall give him that he will be given the throne of David, his father. That he shall reign in the house of Jacob, not for a a short period of time, but forever. And that his kingdom will have no end. What a what a great gift! Talk about the perfect gift. That reminds me that a family once realized that, uh, you know, uh, it's not necessarily always the thought that counts when you give a gift grandma decided that she was tired of trying to figure out the perfect gift for all of her her grandchildren and and children and all the family and such and so she decided instead of trying to figure it out for each individually she was just going to go to the store get gift cards and send and mail the gift cards and, and let them pick their own gift and say i mean after all what better gift can you get than the one you get for yourself right that was her thought anyways so she purchased the selection of greeting cards and, and uh, the accompanying gift card to go along with them, and uh, w- wrote inside the uh, the card before she sent them off and wrote these words, buy your own Christmas present, uh, and she sealed it up, sent them off. Well, some, pe- some time went off, uh, went on, and noticed that she wasn't getting any phone calls. I mean, when she did have an opportunity to get around family, they kind of treated her differently and such, and... And uh, finally, one day, she just kind of, she didn't realize why she was being treated so differently until she opened up one of her drawers and found all of the gift cards that she had purchased. She had forgot to put them in the envelope. So every one of her family got a card that said, buy your own gift this Christmas without the accompanying gift card. So it's not always the thought that counts, but my friend, I'm here to tell you this morning, That the perfect gift of our perfect Savior was the most thoughtful gift that we could have ever received. And there was no, there there was no leaving it to chance. There was no, let's just see how it, it works out. Before the foundations of the world, God had the plan. And what a perfect Savior He's given us. He's the eternal God. He is fully God. He is called God. My friend, what a perfect gift. That is the reason for worship. But as we close this morning, I want you to notice the consent of Mary in verse number 38. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Do you ever feel amazed that God would send his son to live a perfectly sinless life And give himself for all mankind just because he loves you and I. Isn't that an amazing thought? But why do people still yet, why do they yet still refuse to believe it? Mary, here, gets the word from the angel and I mean, it'd be, I don't know what it'd be like to have an angel show up in front of me and give me a, a message But I promise you that if I were to come out here one Sunday and say, I was in my office the other day and an angel showed up and gave me this message, I hope that most of you would get up and leave because uh, that's not the way God works anymore today. But anyways, you would probably say, that's unbelievable. But after everything that has taken place, Mary believed it, Mary lived it, Jesus came, He lived a sinless life. He gave himself for us. He rose again. And all of this because he loves us. And yet there are many in our world today that just refuse to believe it. Mary's troubled heart and a multitude of questions were quieted when she began to realize just who it was that was being promised to come. Jesus, the Messiah. Notice verse number 38 again. She, the Bible tells us that she determined to believe and submitted herself to the Lord. It says, and Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. She, see, she consented to God's will. I wonder this morning, are we consenting to the Lord's will for our life? I believe part of why Mary was so quick to consent to the Lord's will was because she was already seen to be a humble woman. She was already a woman that was striving to live a life holy before her Lord. If we don't, if, if we're prideful, that's the opposite of humility. If we're living for ourselves instead of trying to accomplish what we believe the Lord would have us to accomplish right now, then we probably won't be willing to submit to the Lord's will when he reveals it on a grander scale. For instance, I mean, I think of our, our young people. Uh, my prayer is that for every one of our young people, that, that they would submit and that they would yield to whatever God's will is for their life. If that means that for, the, uh, for a young man, that it's a preacher or a missionary, God, that and praise the Lord for that. If that means that they go off to a business school and they stay faithful to the church, wherever that church might be, and they're faithful in their family, and that's God's will for their life, that's what I want for them. But here's the deal. If they're not doing God's will in the small things, they're probably not going to be willing to do God's will in the big things. Now, let's put it on us today, adults. If we're not doing God's will in the small things, we're probably not going to be willing to do God's will in the big things either. But she was consented to his will, and I believe it's because of her her willingness to do his will already. William Barclay once said that the most popular prayer in the world today is, Thy will be changed. But the greatest prayer on earth is thy will be done. And many times we're not willing to consent to God's will. We want his will to change to our will. We see that Mary consented to his will. She also consented to his word. Where are we going to find the will of God? We find it from his word. Mary's choice came down to this. Was she going to trust the word of God? Could she believe what she had just heard? Could she believe the words from the Lord that had just been delivered from the angel or was she going to trust herself? Andrew Murray, a great prayer warrior, once said, God is ready to assume full responsibility for the life that is fully yielded to him. We'll find, as Mary did, that when we determine to trust God's word, we are putting ourselves in hands that are much more capable than our own. Better still, as we trust in His Word, we learn that His Word never fails. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, "For I know that I th- the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end." First King chapter eight and verse fifty six: "Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto His people Israel. According to all that He promised, there hath not failed one word of all His good promise, which He promised by the hand of Moses His servant." Mary yielded herself to God, and because she yielded herself to God and to his will and to his word, she was able to get a front row seat to God's work being accomplished. Notice as we move on through the chapter, we didn't read these earlier, but notice in verses 46 through 55, and Mary said, "'My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior.'" Uh, "'For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. "'For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. "'For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, "'and holy is his name, and his mercy is on them "'that fear him from generation to generation. "'He hath showed strength uh, with his arm. "'He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. "'He hath put down the mighty from their seats "'and exalted them of low degree.'" He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich he hath sent empty away and hath holden his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spake to our fathers, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. She said, we've, we've heard about how God has provided and how God has taken care of our, of our forefathers and our families in history. But she's saying, I've also experienced here today, my soul doth magnify the Lord. She was able to be able to. She was able to be. Uh, she was able to see and experience all that the Lord had done for her, because she consented herself to His will and to His word. See, my friends, this this morning as we think about this Christmas season, as we uh, make our Christmas list, and maybe you're checking them twice. Uh, but as we are doing those things, let's not forget the reason why this season is, anyways. The season is about our Savior, and it is a a season in which we ought to worship Him for what He has done for us. When we recognize and realize how He has brought us peace, we realize the reason for worshiping Him is because of His presence and because of His perfection. And when we worship Him as we ought to, we will also, I believe, consent to His will and consent to His word. Worship comes as we yield our will to God's will. And find peace resting in his promises. Our Father, we thank you for this morning and this opportunity to hear from your word today. I would ask now, God, that you would just help us to, to take in uh, the considerations from the story of Mary. That we would worship you for who you are. That uh, we would recognize and, and realize the opportunity of peace that you've given us. And uh, that we would consent and submit ourselves to your will and to your word. Lord, I ask now that you'd help us to accomplish your will because of the things we've heard today. Be with the service to follow. Thank you for those who were here with us earlier as well. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.